Hey guys, I hope you're having a good day. What is a good day? A good day is one that starts and ends spending time with our wonderful Lord. We're getting really close to the end of our meditations on Romans, specifically Romans 12. And today we're looking at Romans 12, 19 and 20, okay? Uh, man ruined his life with sin. God's remedy is Jesus Christ. Therefore, how can I show my thankfulness to God every day? Well, here's a great way. Don't retaliate. Let God do his just work. Dearly beloved, avenge not yourselves, but rather give place unto wrath, for it's written, vengeance is mine. I will repay, saith the Lord, if thine enemy hunger, feed him, if he thirst, give him drink, for in so doing thou shalt heap coals of fire on his head. Dearly beloved, beloved, dearly beloved, my dear friends, my beloved friends, Paul says, I'm on your side. I am your friend. What I'm about to tell you is not because I'm upset, hateful, or looking for ways to make you miserable. I'm going to love you enough to give you the truth and give it straight. Ready? Dearly beloved, never take revenge. Dearly beloved, flee and run from idolatry. Dearly beloved, cleanse yourself from filthiness. Dearly beloved, I beg you, get right with each other. Dearly beloved, I fear you're in sin and won't repent. Dearly beloved, don't fear or be ashamed. This is the first time in the New Testament that Paul uses the phrase, dearly beloved. These two words are rooted in agape, which denotes an unselfish love and concern for others rather than self. As we see or can see in the phrases above, each time Paul uses these words, he is getting ready to give a firm confrontation or rebuke, warning, or command as seen in these passages. Then he says, avenge not yourselves, but rather give place unto wrath. You know, forgiveness is woven all through Romans 12, 19, and 20. At the beginning of the study, we read the words, As a sinner, I need forgiveness. Forgiveness is a promise, not a feeling, that my sin has been covered, dealt with, forgiven, so that it will not be brought up against me ever again. When God forgives, he justifies me. When God forgives, he declares me righteous. When God forgives, he frees me from the guilt and penalty of my sin. Is there anyone on earth in, in your everyday life that you refuse to forgive? Why is it so hard to forgive and let go of your vengeful feelings towards someone who hurt or offended you? Remember, we are to forgive others in the same way that God has forgiven us, according to Ephesians 4.32. Remember, forgiveness is not a feeling, but a promise. Forgiveness is not only a promise that we will not bring up that sin again. It's a release. We must release, let go our vengeful feelings towards those who have sinned against us. Instead of us trying to be the judge and the jury, we must let go of the situation and the individual and trust God to deal with them in his own loving way, in his own time. Don't retaliate. Don't attempt to hurt others as much as they hurt you. Get out of the way and let God deal with it. For it's written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, saith the Lord. Just as God promises to forgive, he does promise to judge sin. God is not only our loving father, but also our fearful judge. If you had the power, what would you do to punish someone you want to get back at? You might be able to hurt their reputations or embarrass them. Is that it? What would be your motive? Would you attempt to make them hurt as much as they made you and others hurt? God not only knows what others have done and said, he knows the motive of the heart that precipitated such actions. Therefore, if your enemy hunger, feed him. If he thirst, give him drink. For in so doing, thou shalt heap coals of fire on his head. 
since God is the one to take care of punishing others, you don't have to go go there. Okay, instead of instead, you can go on the offensive and try to encourage others. You may never change the consequences of God's vengeance in their eternity, but you will never be blamed for it because your acts of kindness while on earth. If your enemy is hungry, feed him. If those who hate you are thirsty, give them something to drink. Hunger and thirst are basic needs without which death is the ultimate consequence. Paul's not talking about making their life comfortable and sending them out to gorge on a smorgasbord, but treating with kindness those who will die if they don't eat or drink. Those who have attacked you and sought to destroy everything you stand for may be in a huge need someday. When the cancer comes, the tragedy takes place, or the sudden death of a loved one shocks your enemy, your love and kindness would be the last expected, but the most impacting that enemy may experience. Look at it this way. How would you treat a thirsty dog or a horse? How would you treat your plants? Are dogs, horses, and azaleas more important than people to you? What could such acts of love and kindness do for those who have made your life miserable? Okay, there have been many explanations and illustrations of the phrase, for in so doing, you shall heap coals of fire in your head, which we're not going to have time to deal with all of these. The simplest meaning has the idea of being kind to them. You excite in him feelings of painful regret. Maybe if the offender knew God or lived for God, he would not have treated you in such a way. Forgive and let God do his just work. That is all God wants from us. Hey, our time's up. And uh, these, these are not easy things to live, but by the grace of God, we can. But remember, today is the day the Lord made. Let's rejoice, be glad in it, and I hope that you have a good day.